Welcome to I Hate It Here, the podcast for HR and people professionals, making the hardest job in the world just a little bit easier. I'm Hibba Youssef. I am diligent in the interview process that I don't want to just talk to the leadership team. I want to talk to employees. And if they say no, that also tells you what's going on. Specifically, I think it's important to list out what you want from your leader. I list out like, this is what I want from the CEO. This is the type of relationship that this person and I need to have. And if we can't have that, then it's not right for me. When you think about recruitment, we have to keep in mind that recruitment really is sales. You're selling the company, whatever that might mean. The biggest thing when you are a recruiter, and I was a recruiter at the beginning of my career, is you want them to take the job, but you want them to stay, because if not, you are going to have to feel another wreck. So if you go into an interview process and they tell you, you better jump through a hoop, you know, all these things, you got 10 rounds of interviews, you got a panel, you got this, and it's not an executive level role, that tells you right there they're indecisive, they actually don't know what they want most of the time, and they're willing to see what they can get out of you. Every org needs social managers, including yours. Want the key to attracting, hiring, and retaining a good one? Hootsuite's 2023 Social Media Career Report has just the answers. Just Google Hootsuite Career Report. Are you struggling to prove the value of your performance management programs to your executive team? You need 15.5. 15.5's easy-to-use software enables HR leaders to continuously measure the impact of performance to drive business results. Visit 15.5.com slash demo to schedule a demo today. Welcome back to another episode of the I Hate It Here podcast, all about workplace cultures. I'm your host, Tibi Youssef, and joining me today is a good friend and someone I've admired for so, so long, Jessica Weiner. Jessica, welcome. Hi, I'm so excited to be back. I know, we're part two, everybody. Jessica came on HR therapy earlier this year, and we chatted all about belonging at work. That was, I think, one of our spiciest HR therapies yet. And now you're back. Yes, I'm so excited to be back. And this is my first podcast recording after being on maternity leave, which I'm technically still on maternity leave. But (laughs) yeah, I had two daughters and now I'm back and I'm excited to talk to you. Twins. Oh my God, I'm honored I get to be your first podcast. But first, how are you doing? Well, you know, being a mother is not for the faint at heart. (laughs) And to your point, I do have twin girls and they are giving me a run for my money. One of them, according to my mother, is just like me. And I'm careful about how I choose my words. I choose to call her spicy. So, yeah, she's very spicy. And the other one is like my husband and super chill. So um, I'm in for it. (laughs) I love that. I cannot wait to see how their personalities are going to like develop over time. If one of them really is going to be more like you or your husband. Yeah, I'm excited to see how it works. But for right now, they don't like to sleep and they want to eat all the time. So Standard. those that's what's going in my life. <laughs> okay, well, I am grateful you get some, I get to get you for some adult interaction time and we get to talk about the things and the shit we love, like work and workplaces. Um, but before we get to it, I have to ask, what's your one HR hot take? So my hot take right now, which I've been sitting back and like looking at Instagram and TikToks because I, you know, I'm not working right now. And this girl math, boy math. Well, I have now loved this corporate math and I am getting a kick out of watching people's corporate math. Like my favorite ones are like people, companies that are not willing to give you an increase, but will pay, you know, $120 for a recruitment fee retainer. Like the corporate math, I absolutely love it. So it is consuming me right now to watch these corporate math equations and how much bullshit it is, really. (laughs) I 
I do- every when that came out when I saw girl math, boy math, and corporate math came out. I was like, yes, this is what I'm here for. Corporate yes. math when they ask you to do a job that is clearly a promotion, but then say we don't have the money to give you right now. Or they want you to do a job like the job of three people. And when you can't do it all, they basically say it's because you don't have time management. That's corporate math. (laughs) (laughs) We need a whole separate podcast on that because I swear to God, I can think of so many corporate math things. So, Mm -hmm. okay, that's a really good hot take. Okay, but for today, I know we're going to get into even more hotter takes. People who are listening are going to be like, we can't handle this. This episode's too hot. But today, when we came when you came on HR Therapy earlier this year, we talked about belonging at work. But today, I want to pivot a little bit and tackle something else with you. Workplace compatibility, or in other words, how do candidates know if a company is actually right for them? And this is so juicy to me because I know both of us are quick queens, meaning if an organization isn't right for us, we fucking dip. We dip. I, okay? I will quit in a heartbeat, honey. It is nothing to me. <laughs> But it took us a long time to get there. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people struggle to actually identify if they're compatible with an organization. Mm -hmm. Or they find out too late. They feel like they can't turn back. That's another thing. Like you, you feel like you've come too far and you can't turn back. And no, that's not, it's not real, especially when you realize that you got to get out of there. Yeah. So we're going to start with like how you even think about evaluating a workplace. Like what do you think about? Or what do you think is most important when you're evaluating if a workplace is a good fit for you personally and professionally? So personally, I definitely have some like lines in the sand now that I'm a mom, like flexibility is everything to me. If it's a company that I think is not going to be flexible with the scheduling or things that they want me to do, it's never going to work out anymore. And that was true before I had kids. And now it's true times like a thousand. Yeah. Um, And then professionally, I like innovation. And when you if you want someone to do traditional compliance style HR for you, I'm not going to be your girl, never going to be your girl. (laughs) And so I am very diligent when I'm talking to people on like I ask I've asked every employer when I'm interviewing, what is it that you think of HR? Because what I'm trying to get at is, do you want me to just sit here and do compliance or risk management and like basically get you out of lawsuits Or do you want me to actually care about employees and make sure that they are having a good experience and that they have what they need when it comes to benefits and, you know, the actual structure of their job? And so the questions you ask are so important. I love those factors, by the way. Flexibility, very important in this world now, I think, for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But did you see that stat that was floating around the Internet recently that was like managers, like some percentage of managers admit to like lying in the interview? Oh, yeah. Saying like, yeah, this is for you. What do you do when you encounter somebody and you ask them, like, what type of HR do you want? And they don't even know how to answer that question. That tells me enough right there. So if you can't answer (laughs) it and you you, if you can't answer the question, you actually answered it perfectly um, because you've told me what it is. But I think also making sure that you have more than one source. So I am diligent in the interview process that I don't want to just talk to the leadership team. I want to talk to employees. And if they say no, that also tells you what's going on. But also reach out on your own accord. I have reached out to people on LinkedIn and said like, hey, I'm interviewing at your company. Can you give me some insight? And I've gotten on the phone with someone one time who was, I didn't realize that was leaving. So she was leaving the organization. And so it was perfect timing for me to reach out to her because she told me everything I needed to know. (laughs) Uh, She gave me all the hot tea on what was going on behind the scenes. Now, mind you, I still ended up taking the job because I knew that people were leaving because there was this one leader that was there that was um, basically a bully. And that was kind of my first task when I got there. 
the CEO had already disclosed this to me that this person needed to leave. So it was ironic that when I reached out to this person on LinkedIn and talked to her, this person was the reason she was leaving. So it was just further confirmation. When you go into your interviews, do you have like your the things written down that you're like, these are my absolutely must-haves? Like, do you put them anywhere or do you just know in the back of your head, like, here's my running list? Where I am at in my career right now, I have a running list in the back of my head. But in the beginning, I absolutely made lists. There is no shame in writing stuff down. I would make a list of things that I wanted. What Specifically, I think it's important to list out what you want from your leader. So for me, since in my last couple of jobs, I reported to the CEO, I list out like, this is what I want from the CEO. This is the type of relationship that this person and I need to have. And if we can't have that, then it's not right for me. So making lists is absolutely essential. Yeah, I was just, I kept thinking like back when I started interviewing like early in my career, I just asked like random questions in the interview Mm -hmm. process. Now when I'm interviewing and if I have the option to interview for multiple opportunities, I actually ask the exact same questions so that I can adequately assess the opportunities against each other. A good old spreadsheet goes a long way. I, I have one time when I was interviewing, I had a spreadsheet and it had like the company, all the information about the company, the questions I was asking. And I literally compared all the jobs and it was the best thing I could do. Okay, sidebar real quick. How many factors do you think are good to have on your like wish list? I don't want to have like 15 because no organization's mm-hmm. ever going to meet that. Is there like an ideal number you keep in mind where you're like, okay, if they can meet me on these two to five things, I'm good? I think as long as you have a strong five and those have to be personal to you. So, you know, whatever those strong five things are, and then you can have five things that are like wish list items. Like if they have this, this would be great. But those strong five things don't waver on those. So don't think like, oh, I can go in here and fix it. I kind of feel like it's like when you're dating and I'm married now, but back when I was no. dating, I'd be like, I can fix him up. No, it never, no. that shit never worked. Okay. I never, I did not end up with a fixer upper. Okay. <laughs> me neither. Honestly, me neither. It is not for me. It never works. And you are not someone's mom. Like, no, no. That, but like sometimes HR and working in HR, you feel like the mom in the organization. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so many things we're uncovering today right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I do think something interesting, like a pro tip for me, for any recruiters that are listening is asking the candidates very early on in the first phone screen, what are factors that you are considering when evaluating a workplace is such a powerful question. You basically get the candidates asked right away because you don't want to get all the way through an interview process and find that it wasn't the right match for the candidate and it wasn't the right match for the company. Absolutely. And that's why being honest from the beginning is so important. And I don't understand these companies, you know, when you ask about pay that they want it to be a secret or it's like behind this trap door, like you got to get to this round of interview and then we'll tell you what's the point? Like, why not be transparent? So we're both on the same page because I've had people come to me about job opportunities and instantly I'm like, this is not for me, but I know someone else in my network who could be interested Like, I'm not your girl, but I know I might be able to find you the person that you need. So why not be honest from the beginning? Yeah, it's a good point. What are some other red flags? The lack of transparency is the biggest, the big, big, big one. The second part is their process. So what is the procedure? So if you go into an interview process and they tell you, you better jump through a hoop, you know, all these things, you got 10 rounds of interviews, you got a panel, you got this, and it's not an executive level role, that tells you right there, they're indecisive. They actually don't know what they want most of the time, and they're willing to see what they can get out of you. So I've also seen people have to give presentations and like disclose like intellectual property 
just to get a job. And in my mind, I'm like, Ugh, push back on that type of stuff. If they can't tell me in the phone screen what the interview process is, I'm not interested. Oh, no, no. Oh, my favorite is the personality test. OK, listen, I can tell you what my personality is. You don't have to test it. I can write it out for you. <laughs> also, those tests are so biased. Those tests are so yeah. biased. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? And so I have a lot of gripe with that, too. If someone's like, you need to take a quiz. I'm like, I am not interested. I have not taken a quiz in like 15 years unless it's on BuzzFeed. Like, don't. Yeah. Give me I'm not interested <laughs> at all. And actually, it's funny because in the beginning of my career, I remember I did have to take a personality for this job Same. and I'll never forget it. And one of the things that came back, it said that one of my key personality traits was command and that I was confrontational. <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, you? I'm OK, you? great. <laughs> I'm dead. You? I could never. I could never. OK, Jessica and confrontation is not even going the same sentence. Unless you really know me. <laughs> I'm dead. I would, if they're like, take this test, I'd be like, please don't. But then, okay, so here's the other flip side and the hard part. A lot of candidates, like we have the luxury and the privilege sometimes to say no to things. A lot of candidates don't. So what advice do you have of like, it might not be the right job for someone, but they really don't have other options at the time. And so I absolutely want to address this because I... Just had a conversation with a close friend who unfortunately got laid off recently, and I gave him the same advice. You have to do what you have to do to be able to pay your bills, to get food on the table. So I have definitely been in a place in my career years ago where I took a job that I knew from the moment I spoke to this person was not the right fit for me. However, I needed a job to pay my bills. And then once I got into that job, actually, I just kept looking. So there is no shame in accepting a job and then continue to look for the right job. And I know that sounds like anti-business and people get upset with me when I say this, but it is absolutely true. You have to do what's best for you. And if that means you have to take a job, a temporary situation to pay your bills, there's no shame in that. I don't think it's shameful at all to take a job and then continue to look if it's not the right fit. But companies will make you feel like, oh no, how could you do this? And we went through all of this. But at the same time, they're not gonna give you two weeks that you can be replaced too. So, you know, you treat yourself you as such. You literally die. And they <laughs> oh, yeah. Your job would be up in 24 hours. OK, they'll send you some nice flowers to the funeral home. But your job's up. <laughs> Do you see the how uh, the woman who worked at the university and I think she like collapsed on stage and she passed away and they continued the reception and the thing that no. they were doing. And people oh, were literally like, oh, you could die at your job and they continue something going on. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. You just, you got to do what's right for you. And the same, I feel the same way. Like sometimes you end up sticking it out at a workplace just because you know you have to pay those bills. Like, I yeah. mean, I've been there and I know you have. So like, oh yeah. What do you do? Like, how do you deal with the fact that you might hate this job, but you have to do it? I think you have to have your mind frame together. So the same friend that I'm talking about, he just accepted a job. It is not what he wants. It is very much old school HR compliance but it's what he needs for right now. So think of it as temporary. You got to have your mind frame of this is temporary. I'm big on saying things are in season. So this is a season of my life. This will not last forever. And sometimes, unfortunately, you got to suck it up for a season to get to where you need to be. So like with this friend that I'm talking about, I literally said, accept when they gave him the offer, accept it. It's less than what he needs to make. It's not the right fit for him long term. But it is a job and he does not have a safety net. You know, like most people, he's not independently wealthy. He has to have a job to feed himself. 
And then he's continuing to interview with companies that are more in line with what he wants. But those companies, unfortunately, are taking longer in the interview process. So you got to do what you got to do. I 100% feel that. It like when I read the statistics about how many Americans like don't have a safety net, I honestly, mm-hmm. it makes me really sad. And I know that I struggle because I'm like, what can I do to fix that? Yeah. And I know that they're the system and, and the way people make money, it just doesn't work like that. And Mm-mm. it's really hard. But if you had to make the decision to like pay your bills and live your life, sometimes you take a job that's not right for you. And as long as you keep thinking to yourself, okay, there's there's an out here, you know? There's light at the end of the tunnel for sure. Yeah. And for HR people too, if like you're interviewing somebody for a role and they're telling you consistently throughout the entire process that salary is too low, that salary is too low, and they still take your offer I would just be mindful that that person would potentially leave. Oh, absolutely. They're still looking. They are absolutely still looking. In fact, people got really upset with me because I made a LinkedIn post about like people continuing to look even when they've accepted an offer. People came after me like they were really upset. Like, no, as soon as you accept an offer, you, you know, you stop interviewing. Why? What if you could get something better? You know, until you show up on that first day. And honestly, even once you show up, you do what's best for you. Put yourself first. Companies put themselves first. You do the same. Yeah. I've had people accept offers and then never show up and then take other offers. And Mm -hmm. I never get mad about it because I'm like, this is a business. Like, you owe me nothing, honestly. And and I could see why people would get mad at you about that. But get over it. Like, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the company is going to look out for what's best for the company. And, it, and people, and I tell this to all my friends, like when they feel a sense of loyalty to their company, I'm like, that is beautiful. Loyalty is a beautiful feeling, but also be mindful. They're not going to put you first. No. And I, you know what? That cues something in me. I recently had an, a separate friend tell me that she felt that during the interview process that the interview was trying to shame her and be like, listen, oh. we got a lot of people leave because they wanted to work remote. And so we want to make sure that we find someone that is, you know, open to coming into the office every day and almost basically like trying to make her feel like ashamed if she wanted to ever ask to work remotely. And I think that is crazy. I appreciate that, that they're honest about what they want. Mm-hmm. But then for your friend, I would be like, I don't really like the way this is making me feel. No. I'd probably share that. I'd be yeah, like, for sure. I need a flexible organization. Also, flexibility is key for like working mothers and a lot of people need flexibility in the workplace. And so sometimes the return to office mandate just really upsets me because I'm like, that's forcing people to work a certain way. We have proven is not as successful as giving them the flexibility. And then making them feel like they can't even ask if something comes up or if life, you know, something in their life changes, you can't even ask. Um, and that just is not an uh, it, an environment that most people want to be in. And then when people leave, you think, oh, well, nobody wants to work anymore. They do. They just don't want to work for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's why what I won. First of all, I am not cyber. I'm not a Kim Kardashian fan. I don't know anything about the. I mean, I've never watched a Kim Kardashian show. But that one quote where she's like, nobody wants to work anymore. I'm like, girl, oh, yeah. When people want to work, they just don't want to be taken advantage of by their employers. People just also have options now. That's what it is. Like they they want to work and be respected. That's what it's that's what it really is going on. Okay, well, pivoting real quick to talking about it. We started talking about this earlier, but I want to come back to it. Leadership and management. Leadership plays such a massive role in in an organization's culture and how you experience the organization. So when you're thinking about a new workplace or assessing a workplace, 
how do you think about the leadership and like management style of people there and determining like, is it the right place for you? This is so important. And I also think from my thought process, it's important for people to understand my leadership style and my expectations as well. So I think it's, it's definitely a two-way street because if I'm coming in and I'm going to be a new leader, one, I want to meet the team that I'm going to be leading. Like I want to meet every single member of this team because I want to understand, okay, who's receptive to this? Who, you know, who might I need to win over? All of those things are important. And then on the flip side, uh, for me, when I'm interviewing, obviously the where I'm at right now, I'm interviewing with the CEO. But back in the day when I would be interviewing, let's say with like the HR manager, it was very important to me that they understood that I wanted to grow. So one of the things that a lot of people come in and they they say they don't want to offend the manager and they don't want the manager to feel like they are going after their job. And I think that's crazy <laughs> because why would you want to take a job and kind of downplay that you ever want to do learning and development or you want to grow your career because you're talking to someone like, doesn't that person eventually want to move up? You see what I'm saying? So yeah. I always question when people have to downplay themselves to get a job, because then you got to continue. You got to keep that same energy, <laughs> you know, kind of the flip side of when you show someone you can do something. But when you show someone that you this is the job that you want, but you don't want to ever move up, then that's going to continue throughout the process when you get to work there. So growth and development has always been major for me. Um, the ability to communicate. I'm a very direct communicator. I don't Same. like to sugarcoat things. I want to be able to tell you to your face, this is what's going on. This is what I need. And so the communication style is so big for me. I have zero respect for like the keyboard gangsters and the people that will email you but never tell you to your face. And so I'll ask in an interview, like, you know, what's your style of communication? There's nothing wrong with written communication, but don't be confrontational when you can write versus when you can say it to me. And so those are things that have come up in the last several interviews where I've like gotten the job. In fact, where I'm at right now with Refine Labs, it's something that it's funny that our, my CEO and I talked about in my interview about like, hey, like I prefer direct communication. And he was 100% respectful of that. Three out of four social marketers are women, but they only earn 76 cents for every dollar a man working in social marketing makes. Hootsuite's 2023 Social Media Career Report digs into the gender pay gap, plus other challenges that social marketers face in their careers. Get all the details you need to attract, hire, and retain the best social marketers. Google Hootsuite Career Report for all the juicy insights. Ready to lead your team to peak performance? 15.5's comprehensive performance management platform equips HR leaders with the tools they need to navigate the sometimes rugged terrain of performance management. From 360 performance reviews to robust goal setting and OKR tracking to ongoing manager-employee feedback tools like weekly one-on-ones and check-ins. With 15.5, you can ensure that employees are performing their best and your business is growing. Visit 15.5.com demo to schedule a demo today. I feel like a lot of people could probably relate to this where you feel like you're sold um, a bill of goods or like a oh, yeah. lies. So when you're being honest and upfront in an interview process about what you're looking for and if it's the right match and they lie to you, like I feel like then you're just set up so much for failure. Oh, absolutely. Which, which I brought up absolutely. that stat about managers lying, but like I've been sold a bill of goods of lies. I don't even know what the phrase is. I'm terrible at phrases. I probably should stop saying them. You're absolutely right. And I think a lot of times when you think about recruitment, we have to keep in mind that recruitment really is sales. 
you're selling the company, whatever that might mean. So when it comes to sales, sometimes people inflate things just like a car salesman, like, oh, this car can do this, this and this. And you get it. And it's a hoopty. You know what I mean? Like, just like you get at the job and you're like, wait a minute, this is not what you sold me. So I think that's also important to keep in mind if you're working with a recruiter, whether that's an external recruiter or, you know, someone in the organization, like recruitment is sales. Keep that in mind. That's a really good segue to my next question. Like, I mean, we don't want to we want to sell, but we don't want to lie. So like mm-hmm. how can HR teams make sure that candidates understand the culture and the environment in the interview process? The biggest thing when you are a recruiter, and I was a recruiter at the beginning of my career, is you want the person to not only, you want them to take the job, but you want them to stay. Because if not, you are going to have to feel another wreck. And so an example of this was at a previous organization, we were hiring someone to help our CEO. And my mind frame was to convince people why they did not want the job. That is how I went into the interview because I wanted them to understand what they were getting into. It was going to be long nights. It was going to be weekends. Like it was going to be all the things that I personally would never do, but I wanted them to know. So that the whole interview process was around me trying to convince this person why you would not want this job. And the last person standing was the person that, you know, convinced me that like they knew what they were getting into and they still wanted the job. So I think like keep that in mind, like explain to people what is really going to happen. Do not tell them that it's a flexible environment and all of these things. And then they get there and they are afraid to ask for a PTO, you know, like tell them what is really going on. And that's why our fine labs, we have a culture playbook because I wanted people to understand the true culture. Like it is a whole like a hustle culture. And if that is not something you want to do, this is not the right company for you. Yeah, we do the same thing at Workweek, honestly, where we have our vision and our operating principles, which are beautiful, that tell you like our values, like what we value, and then our operating principles, like how we want to do our work. But then also in every interview, I I talk about when I talk to candidates directly, I tell them like, this is a pre-seed startup. Like, yeah. it's a very different experience than a established company. This is not the Facebook, Google, and Amazon. Like, this is a, we don't have processes and we are still building them as we grow and scale an organization. But I think a lot of recruiting teams sometimes are afraid to be that honest. Yeah, they really are because they don't want it to backfire on them. But I think it actually backfires long term when you sell someone a bag of goods and then they get there and it's not what you thought it would be. Yeah. I would rather you tell me like this is what it's going to be. And I know kind of like to my previous example, when I reached out to this person on LinkedIn, I knew that I was coming in and and I was going to have to have like a problem coworker. And so I knew what I was getting into. It wasn't a surprise when I showed up. It could be so scary, though, to be honest about the things that are not going great, especially like I think a year or two ago when we were in that really tight labor market where it was like super hard to hire people. I think like every person was thinking like, how do I make my opportunity the best opportunity? And now I think we're in a little bit of a different situation where there are more people who are looking, but that I just don't want those people to be taken advantage of. And my thought there was like, you got to be honest in the interview process if the culture is potentially has some downsides. And there's always a way to talk about it. Like there is a way to say like, hey, we are not in hyper growth phase or we are the areas of opportunity might be around communication or process improvement to just say it. And that way the person knows, because maybe this is a person that can fix it. You know what I mean? Like even the mind frame, like maybe this is the person that can come in and improve all the project management if you just tell them the truth. 
Yeah, that's really, it's still hard. I still think it's hard. What is your feeling on the, I mean, sorry, I'm laughing already because I feel like this is going to be so funny. <laughs> the phrase culture fit. What is your feeling on that phrase? It is absolute bullshit. Okay, when somebody says, oh, we need a culture fit, it it stems from so much, I'm just going to call it what it is. I think it really is the quintessential way back in the day to talk about like racism and sexism and all the isms. And, you know, people kind of code it as like, oh, what I want to go have a drink with this person and, you know, what I want to hang out with them on the weekend. What does that have to do with the essential functions of the job? You know what I mean? And I, I actually, when people say stuff like that, I take offense to that as someone who has been sober for many years. When people are like, oh, would I want to have a drink with this person? Like, why? Why do you have to want to go to a bar with me for me to be qualified to take this job? You know what I mean? So the culture fit thing, I think it stems from so many negative things and it it's more of the same. It's basically saying, I want more people here that are just like the people that are already here and I don't want anything different. Instead of adding to the culture or saying like, what can this person bring to the table? You want more of the same. So it's like the attack of the clones. <laughs> I love that. I yeah, I feel like it for a while everyone like the hot take like three years ago oh, yeah. was like, we're not seeing culture fit anymore. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, you know, we could just call it what it is, more of the same. Yeah. That's basically what people are feeling. Basically what are feeling. But I mean, I still think people use that lens a lot of like, do I want to hang out with this person? And the reality is if you look to your, I've said this like so many times, people are probably sick of me saying this, but like your immediate group of friends is probably going to be very similar to you. You gravitate towards people that are like you. So if you're using that lens to decide to hire someone, you're just going to hire more of the people that are already there, which makes your population even more homogeneous. Yeah. The best, some of the best people that I've ever worked with are nothing like me. We would never hang out. We would have never crossed paths. And that is completely fine because we don't need to be friends. We don't have to be friends. You see what I'm saying? And I've learned so much from some of these people that I would have never interacted with outside of work. And so I just think it just goes such a long way to be like, get that out of your mind. I always say like when I hire for my team, I try to look at people who are really good at things I am not good at and they tend to be different than me. And that's like what I need to balance me. Like I'm I'm like pie in the sky, cloud thinker, dreamer. I'm terrible at like executing day to day, like in the tasks, I don't get excitement from that. So when I look to balance myself, I'm looking for somebody who has that skill set, like maybe a more attention detail, detail oriented, more focused on those things so that like I can maybe dream and they can maybe bring me down to reality, you know? Yeah. You and I are the same. I do not. I've been there, done that. I don't want to do it anymore. I want to be in. I want to talk about strategy, all that stuff. I do not want to be doing the day-to-day tasks. No, ma'am. Not. No. <laughs> I feel. Okay. I'm going to throw one more question at you. If you were to power rank these three things, I just, I feel like this would be really funny to do this live as I did not tell you I was going to do this. Uh, <laughs> okay. When you're thinking about work and evaluating a workplace that you would want to work in, and you have three things, there's work-life balance, career growth opportunities, and compensation. How would you power rank those one to three, one being the most important? Oh, without a doubt, money is important to me. Okay, I have two mouths to feed now. <laughs> so we're yep. going to go ahead and put compensation as number one. Okay. Um, number one, I would say comp. Number two, I would say balance because I want to feel like I'm able to balance what's going on. I am absolutely a type A overachiever. So balance is important to me. And then growth, 
just because of where I am in my career, you know, I'm an SVP, you know, CPO level. So growth is not as important to me as it was in the beginning of my career. If you think about those three at different points in your career journey, I feel like they would be all different. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Although I don't know, compensation might also be one for me. Yeah, I was going to say, I always wanted my money. I always want to get the bag. We're trying to secure the bag. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I was always about my coins. Oh, I want to go where the money resides, as they say. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. Ain't no shame. We literally cannot live in this world without money. And when people tell me in interview processes, when people are like, I'm optimizing for compensation, sometimes I'm like, okay, great. Thank you for being honest with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At least just tell the truth. Like, don't. um, I I really think it's manipulative when people are like, well, you you should not care about that. That should not be your main priority. Um, Where? Why? When? Who's going to pay these bills? Who's going (laughs) to... buy these eggs eggs are so expensive at this point with twins i'm going through 20 25 diapers a day who's buying diapers okay if i don't have any money yeah (laughs) i never understand why people shame people for that i honestly think it's like by design and it's why i love pay transparency but i'm like people i used to ask like all my friends like how much money do you make and people's faces were like why are you asking me this like you're my friend and i'm Mm -hmm. like listen we all have to be comfortable talking about this because it's by design that we're uncomfortable about talking about compensation, especially for mm-hmm. women. We have yeah. to advocate and we have to talk openly about it. And there is power in talking about what compensation you're looking for. In my book, that's a, I have a whole section in there about asking and being comfortable and telling people what you make. So literally telling your friends, the people that you trust, like start there, tell them how much money you make and just open up a conversation and a dialogue about it because you never know what you might learn about like, wait, me and you do similar jobs. Why are you making so much more than me? Or why are you making so much less? You should be getting more. It, it absolutely opens doors. I 100% agree. But to action item for everyone listening, go tell all your friends how much money you make, make them tell you and start your own compensation data set. Absolutely. Do it. So you don't have to pay for it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. We've talked, we've talked about a lot of different facets of understanding if you're compatible with an organization and how HR teams can actually do the work ahead of time to make sure that candidates understand if they're compatible with an organization. Is there anything left that you want listeners to know about what to think through or things to consider as you're thinking about, is this the right workplace for me? My final thought would just be really understand where you're going and why. So what is the mission of the company? What are they actually doing and can you get behind it? And then do your due diligence, okay? I truly believe the FBI ain't got nothing on me. I will find out, okay? Dig, go on LinkedIn, go on Facebook. I will find every social media you have ever had, okay? Before you accept that job, do your research. Do not rely on the website. Okay, that's all good and fine, whatever, read the website. But that is not the only thing you need to be looking at. You need to go, not just Glassdoor, there's other forms of places you can go and look at reviews and all that stuff. Like make sure you know what you are getting into. That way you can put your best foot forward because maybe you read something and you don't like it, but you still accept the job. That's okay, but at least you know. So dig, find everything you can. Yeah, (laughs) I would say blind is a really good option too. I sometimes just love going on blind reading about random workplaces don't ask me. My pastimes are very odd. I know. <laughs> I could. Pull, I get so much humor from reading blind. So I'm like, I really want to know the people who are taking time to write a review are either really happy or really unhappy. And so sometimes the truth is somewhere in the middle. 
but the more you know, the better off you are. Yeah, you are absolutely right. Reddit has a bunch of good threads too. So oh, I love the Reddit threads. Also, if you're a recruiter and you work at a company and you're also like the head of HR, I encourage you to also check those platforms just as reference to what your employees are saying, because they're probably not saying it to your face. Oh, they're no. probably <laughs> saying it on the internet. Oh, yeah, they definitely are. And knowledge is power. So as long as you know what you're getting into, if you still want to do it, go for it. But if that makes you think differently because maybe they didn't disclose something that you've now found out, at least now you know before it's too late. Okay, this was this was so helpful. As the two quick queens, we will always be. I need to get that for us on hats. Like where you're, if you're ever wondering what Jessica and I are doing, we're telling people to quit their fucking jobs yes. all day long. But quit. We covered. We co- quit. No, we covered so many great things like <laughs> factors to consider, power ranking, like growth, compensation, work life balance, like red flags. So many good nuggets in this episode, Jessica. Like, thank you so much for joining me. But, but last final question. Sorry, I love that. I'm just like throwing them in. The final and most important question that I love to ask every single person on the podcast, what is your one HR hill you will die on? I will absolutely die on the fact that if you cannot find out the compensation for the job in the first or second interview, it is not worth your time. That's so good. Because they're probably scrambling behind the scenes trying to figure out what they should pay you. Exactly. Or they're going to lowball you and they want you to give them a number first. I think it is absolute bullshit. Don't do it. I always ask for the range. And if they don't have the range, I think you can always say, well, what's the earliest you will have it before I continue Mm -hmm. on in this pipeline? Yeah, absolutely. So compensation is just such a good one. I will die on this hill. Why should it be a secret unless you are trying to do something shady? Yeah. I also, I try to put it as much as possible for recruiters. I try to put it in my outreach messages. Absolutely. It. I mean, the the true hill is it should be in the job description. It should just be out there. But a lot of companies don't want to put it out there because then their current employees are going to find out. And that's a whole different podcast. That's a whole, <laughs> that is a whole different podcast called How Not to Piss Off Your Employees. Like, make sure they're paid equitably. I also exactly. love, I was, ta- I was talking with someone with the, about this recently. We're like, if people tell me a range and it's lower than I know I budgeted for the role or lower than I think they should be asking for, I just honestly say like, I feel like you're lowballing yourself a little bit. I'm going to add this amount. This is what you should be asking for. Yes, I have absolutely done that for someone before where I was like, oh, no, um, that's not. And I'm the uh, wait because this was earlier in my career. I kind of had to play it off. Um, now I could do it because I have the authority. But at the time I did it. And so I was like, oh, I didn't hear you. I thought you said this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to write down this number. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that compensations your hell to die on. You heard it here first. Okay, Jessica, how do people find you? I know you have a book. It's amazing. Um, Tell people about how to get in touch with you and uh, that stuff. Yeah, all the things. So I definitely am on LinkedIn. So Jessica D. Winder, um, because W-I-N-D-E-R. And so that's an easy way to find me. I don't even think that there's that many winders. It's probably just me and my husband. Um, (laughs) And so you can find me on LinkedIn or you could absolutely go on Amazon and get my book. The Hidden Gym Within, it's a career coaching journal with props to get you to where you need to be in your career, whether you want to grow or stay where you are. So both of those. And then I'm on Instagram as well at Hidden Gym CC. Love it. Highly recommend the book. It, it The prompts, I think I don't do enough self-reflection professionally, mm. honestly. And the prompts really helped me stop and say, like, I should pay attention to myself. Yep, and absolutely. it's something I give. I gave like a bunch of people. Um, I gift it to a lot of people, Jessica. So. Oh, I love that. So, 
it's just something like we don't do enough. And if like your manager's not doing it with you, it can be really hard to like think about your career in the way that you want to think about it. And a lot of times our career is like we choose our own destiny. I want people to help you, but a lot of people are not going to help you. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we have to help ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so the book will absolutely guide you there. So please get your copy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Jessica. This is the best. I can't wait to have you back for part three someday. Yeah, I feel like, can I just go, can we just go ahead and declare that I'm like the secret co-host? Like, just call me anytime. (laughs) (laughs) The secret co-host. Of course you are. Every time we do an event together, it ends up with the two of us just like shit talking most of the event, actually. Yes. What, Absolutely. What? We're gonna, <laughs> Jessica and I did a panel together earlier this year, y'all, and that was uh, entertaining. So. Oh, yeah. We, we should go find the video and just send it out. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's what we're like on a panel, both of us sitting next to each other, like stone-faced, like, yep, I agree with what she said. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so this much, Jessica. So much You're fun. the best. Thanks for tuning in. Keep up with all the latest HR resources by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And if you love I Hate It Here, tell an HR friend. I'll see you next time.